Walking to my car that morning, I mentally flogged myself for not suggesting Lori meet me at the thermostat-controlled cafe at Barnes & Noble's. Even though Labor Day and the possibility of slight breezes hovered around the corner, the end of August in New Orleans was like a relentless steam iron pressing the wrinkles right out of our skin. The line of people waiting for café au lait and beignets at the morning call coffee stand already stretched past the newsstand and the art gallery. Seeing it made me feel a little less guilty about being late. I parked in the shopping mall's lot and walked across the street, making myself later still. Lori waved when she saw me and spared me the awkwardness of scanning the string of faces in search of hers. For someone who carried the debris of disappointment, she looked fragile a whisper of herself. Wedding broken off by a fiancé who announced he was gay, exploded her world, but what remained of the rubble, she carried in the hollow spaces David once filled. Months ago she fretted her wedding gown wouldn't fit unless we reenacted the scene in Gone with the Wind, where Scarlet grabbed onto the bedpost while Mammy cinched her waist. Today, the dress would fit if she wore a child's floaty around her waist. We hugged, and when I wrapped my arms around her shoulders, I prayed she wouldn't break. Lori must have drawn the Dr. Adkins of grief. I didn't starve my stress. The Italian grandmother of grief moved in with me after Harrison died. Food soothed me. Two months later, I broke a zipper when I tried to shimmy into a pair of shorts. I accused Julie of having washed all my clothes in hot water. Sorry I was late. The teacher dinners have really taken off. Another late night cooking. Even with Julie helping, I crashed on the sofa. Didn't set the alarm, I told her. Where's Ben? Since school started, he and Nick haven't had much playtime. I dropped him off at Julie's. Ben also asked me to tell Lori he missed her and wanted to know when he'd see her again. I'd tell her that later, when I wanted to open the David conversation. Ben would understand. Yes, Harrison, he would. You know you could always ask me if you're that busy, she said. The door yawned and swallowed a party of six ahead of us. Oh, good, we're almost in. I counted the bodies in front of us, um, ten people are not almost. Only five minutes out of the car and I felt like a tea bag plunged in a cup of hot water. My sunglasses were already sliding down my nose. I tossed them in my purse and squinted at Lori. If you promise to actually eat something, I'll call you. Maybe I should start delivering to you. I pointed to her jeans. I don't think Baggy's in right now, or ever. Not you two. I'm already hearing that from my mother. Lori rolled her eyes at me, lifted her bangs off her forehead with one hand, and fanned with the other, using one of the free real estate magazines off the newsstand rack. Her purse slipped into the crook of her arm, making her look like the queen mother in a royal parade. Sorry. I stared at my feet, and wondered if this was how Ben felt when I fussed at him yesterday for daring Nick to make farting noises during dinner. A few years ago, 
I wouldn't have wanted her to comment on the way my jeans looked like the forerunners of body shapers. It's your second sorry of the morning, she said, wearing her own mother's voice, just finding it a bit too tight. She swatted me on my shoulder with her makeshift fan. I'm getting better, I promise. That's why I wanted to come here. I can afford a calorie overdose. Seats for two opened up, so the doorman, who actually looked more like a door kid, waved us in ahead of two families in front of us. He pointed to the empty stools. Right there, ladies. Enjoy. In that small moment, just crossing the threshold, the memories of time spent here with Harrison walked through the doors with me. They tugged on the sleeve of my heart like impatient children who beg for...